Good morning, church. It is so good to be with you this morning. As Nat said, if, you, if you're visiting for the first time, my name's Ramon. It's so good to have you here with us. For all of our regulars, it's always good to have you with us. <clears throat> so, this morning, you, you'll know if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, um, that we've been, we've been speaking through um, just some social issues that we've been facing within the nation of South Africa. It's, it's, it's kind of been one of those times where we had something else planned, and then life happened. Doesn't that sound familiar? We have all sorts of things planned, and then life happens. And, and we did. We had another series planned for during this time, but then life happened. And we, we really felt that we needed to just stop and, and hit pause and, and address the social situations that are that are happening within our nation, and and because how many of us know that whether we believe it affects it or, or us or not, it does. It affects us. It affects us, no matter who we are, no matter how much we try and not watch the news, or avoid social media, or any of those things. These things tend to affect us. So the last few weeks, we've 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 spoken through a couple of a couple of things, and and week one. Um, Vanna really just addressed it and, and said, and just spoke about the fact that the problem's not out there, the problem's in here. That, that we, I loved what he said. He said, We don't have a man problem in South Africa, we have a sin problem in South Africa. And it's a, it's a worldwide problem. And, and then he really just spoke into the fact that we need to live by faith, that we need to be known by love. And that we need to be a voice of hope in this nation. And that we've, we've been, put, been put here for that reason. And then last week we kind of addressed, well, how do we get there? Because <laughs> that's a great slogan, but man, how do we get there? And we really just allow God to, to speak into our lives and, and really speak into our thinking. That, that ultimately what we expect is what we'll experience. That if we're expecting for everything to go south, then no matter what evidence we're, we're, we're presented with, that's what we'll see. That's what we'll experience. But we, if we're expecting for God to be God, and if we're expecting for God to keep his promise in our lives, then that is what we will experience. And we addressed it with, with Philippians 4 verses 8 through 9, and, and we kind of, as a church, entered into like this 21-day challenge where we just went, you know what, in some areas, I, I kind of need to reprogram the way that I think because the truth be told, my expectations have kind of lined up with the news headlines. Whereas the truth is, my expectations should be lining up with the truth of who God is. So we went into this 21-day challenge where we just said, for the next 21 days, because that's how long it takes to break a habit, for the next 21 days, we are going to fix our thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. We're going to think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And that, that as the scripture continues there, as we start to think about these things and, and, and allow them to turn into actions, and as we keep doing these things in the God of peace, will be with us. And I know, 
I, I may not know you very well, but if there's something I know about you, you'd love peace in your life. You'd love peace in your home. And the only way that we get lasting peace, the sort of peace that we can't explain, is to have the God of peace alive and well and active in our lives. And again, you may be sitting there going, Ramon, that's fantastic. You do not understand the week that I've had. So, so I wonder, how you doing? <laughs> how you doing? You may be in, in one of two boats. You may be feeling, man, I'm flying. I had that conversation on Friday with someone. They're like, dude, I'm waxing this. This 21-day challenge is a breeze. I'm going to kill it. I'm like, that's awesome, man. So you may be there. You may be feeling like, man, if you had to teach a course on this, I could do it. That's me. Just call me. I'll come present a course on how to have the mind of Christ. Like, I'm there, dude. I'm moments away from rapture. Just give me a mic. Awesome. I'm so glad for you. Come chat to me afterwards. We can talk about pride a little. Um, that was for free. Uh, or maybe you're not there. Maybe you're like, dude, I'm in the wilderness. It's dry. It's ungodly. It's like inhospitable. It's uninhabitable. It's just wasteland, and, and I, just, I just feel like I'm just <laughs> going to die in this place. And if you feel like you're there, you're not alone. Many, 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 many people feel like they're there. And, and if I'm honest, if I just had to be honest this morning, I had moments in this week, good and bad. Because I'm, believe it or not, I'm, I'm on the same page as you guys here. I'm doing the 21-day challenge. Why? Because I recognize that there are areas of my thinking that do not line up with the Word of God. And that has to change. And, and I had good moments where I was like, thank you, Jesus. Normally I would, but this time I changed the way that I thought. Thank you, Lord. And then I had other moments that weren't like that. Can ask my wife. You know it's not going well when your wife looks at you and she says, Are you and Jesus talking? <laughs> That's not a good sign. So I had moments, and maybe you had moments. Maybe you had good, maybe, maybe you had bad, maybe you had more of these um, more of these wasteland moments, more of these wilderness moments than what you had of these mind of Christ moments. But, but that's what I love about, about our walk with God. It's a journey. And what I love about our, our life with Christ is that we've never arrived. We're always on this journey. Now, now that's not an excuse to behave badly and then just go, well, dude, I'm on a journey. You know, you know like I'm only on step two. No. No, what it does is it, it just means that, that God has grace for those moments. And when we keep coming back to him, that's when his grace takes full effect. Because his grace isn't just this blanket that I throw, some, that I throw over all my sin and go, oh, well, let's carry on. No, his grace comes, and, and, and the word tells us that his grace comes and teaches us how to live. And that's the journey that all of us 
og ånd. So I don't know, maybe, maybe you did feel like you were one of those who were in the wilderness this week. And, 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 and if we're honest, this place feels like it has no hope. It, it feels like it's insignificant, like, like, like we've lost our significance somehow. Like it's, it's void of, of all meaning. It, it leaves life in a space of, that's just like completely meaningless. And if we're honest, as we look around us, situationally, that can be true. It can look true. Turn on the news, and it looks true. Turn on social media, and it looks true. Listen to the conversations that are happening around us, and it looks true. I think probably one of the ones that are least true is social media. Um, Because if you don't know the amount of fake news that travels across social media, it's crazy. Like, I'm not saying I'm the guy's biggest fan, but if the news on social media is true, like, I just don't believe that Donald Trump uses a llama as a toupee. That's just me. I don't know where you at, but somehow it doesn't seem real. I'm just being honest. But relationally, it can feel true. When, we, when we're dealing within, our, within our, our family, whether it's our close family, our extended family, it can feel true. When we're dealing with our friends, it can feel true. When we think vocationally, when it comes to our work, <laughs> our work can feel hopeless and, 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 and meaningless and, and all of those things. Or maybe it's the lack of work. Maybe you're in a position where, where you don't have work at the moment, so that leads to a place of, of where you're feeling hopeless and where, you, where this wilderness experience is actually quite real. And this may be true for you, but here, here's the good news, folks, is that no matter who we are, no matter who we are, we are all searching for hope, significance and meaning when you look at the person in the in the cubicle next to you hopefully that's your desk when we're talking cubicle um, when you look at the person in the cubicle next to you they are looking for hope significance and meaning when I want to take it as far as this if you looked at the person next to you right now sitting in church they are searching for hope significance and meaning and maybe you have found hope. I pray you have. Maybe you are in a place where you feel like you have significance and where you feel like you have meaning in life. But no matter who we are, we are hardwired to be searching for hope, significance, and meaning. And here's the good news for all of us today God reveals Himself best. In the wilderness. God, you, you feel like you're in a wilderness right now? God reveals himself best in the wilderness. Sometimes our wilderness is self-inflicted. Sometimes our wilderness, we had nothing to do with it. It was just situational and now we're there. And we can't get why we're there, but we are there. And the bottom line is that God reveals himself best in the wilderness. Just ask the prophet uh, Elijah, 
Just, just ask, just ask John the Baptist. Just, just think of the life of Moses. I mean, Moses found God in a burning bush in the wilderness. That's where God had an encounter. That's where Moses had an encounter with God. And that, that's after 40 years of looking after someone else's sheep. You want to talk about hopeless. You want to talk about insignificant or a feeling of insignificance. You, you want to talk about feeling like you're living a life that's meaningless. Try looking after someone else's sheep in the wilderness for 40 years. Especially after Moses had been marked for greatness. He had. I mean, he grew up in the house of Pharaoh. He grew up as a prince in the palace. Now, chances are he wasn't going to become Pharaoh. But if I can put it in business terms, he was, he was more than likely going to have a pretty good position in the company. That's what, Pharaoh, that's what Moses was, was heading towards. And then what happened? Life changed suddenly. And Moses went and killed someone. Now, I'll be honest, when I was preparing this, I was trying to wangle it a little so that it would seem like it was an accident. And then I really went and read the scripture, and it was so deliberate. Like, like he, didn't, he didn't punch the dude, and the guy landed on a rock, and he died. No. He thought about it. He looked around to see if anyone was watching, and he killed him. It was deliberate. And through this action, we see that, that Moses ends up killing a man and then running. And he runs into, a, into a, another country and ends up in the wilderness for 40 years. And that might be the word for someone this morning. <laughs> Take it, don't leave. It's entirely up to you. And I don't know, maybe, maybe your story is a little similar to Moses's. Maybe your story is similar to the, to the story of Moses. Where, where you are on the fast track to success in your company. Maybe, maybe you had all the promise and it just looked like, man, this guy, this lady, they are soaring to the top. And then situations changed. I don't know, maybe for those of you in the older generation, we love you. Um, but maybe you were on the fast track to success and then the government changed. And instead of now being at the top of the list, you are now no longer on the list. Or, or maybe, maybe it was more relationally. Maybe you were on the fast track to success and, 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 and you were really close with your boss and when you wiped your eyes out, your boss was busy with your wife. Or maybe the company that you worked for went bankrupt and shut its doors and, and instead of getting a promotion, you were left without a job. But as these things happened, your, your chances of success went with it. And as a result, you kind of feel like you are in that proverbial wilderness. 
But what I love about the story of Moses is that Moses' story doesn't end with just taking care of someone else's sheep in the wilderness for 40 years and then he dies. Because I don't know about you, but I believe that life is worth or, 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 or it's about far more than just paying taxes and then dying. I believe that with all my heart. And the story of Moses, it doesn't end there. See, the story of Moses is a redemptive story. Just like I believe your story is a redemptive story. See, when we, when we, when we look at, the, at God's restoration in the life of Moses, guess where it starts? In the wilderness. It starts in the wilderness. Now, his story is quite a long one, so I'm not going to read it to you this morning. But if you're interested, it's specifically this part that I'm speaking of here now is Exodus 3 from verse 1. And you can go on and, and read it in your own time if you'd like. I'm going to chat through it with us very quickly. Ultimately, Moses, as I said, he's taking care of his father-in-law's sheep in the wilderness. He's been doing that for like 40 years. And one day while he's busy doing this, he sees a, a bush burning, but it's not being consumed. It's, the, the fire isn't destroying the bush the way that a fire should destroy the bush. The fire is there, but it's not affecting the bush. And Moses is like, what's going on here? Let me go and take a look. And as it says here in this, in this passage, Moses walks towards the bush, and as he walks towards the bush, he sees that it's not being consumed, and, and as, it, as he approaches, it says that God saw Moses approaching, and, and he said to Moses, he, he called out to Moses. He says, Moses. Now, it says Moses, Moses, and that's just because back then their grammar, they didn't have exclamation marks. So when it says Moses, Moses, he just meant Moses. That's what it means. So God was like, Moses. So Moses must have freaked out. I don't know when last the bush spoke to you, but I would have freaked out. That's just me. So Moses is like, what's going on here? And, 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 and God says this to, to Moses. God says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And right now you're standing on holy ground, so take off your shoes. And there Moses is, and it says he covers his face because he, do, he doesn't want to see God in case he sees God. He's like, his glory is going to kill me. I'm covering my face. But in that moment, God starts communicating certain things to Moses. God, God ultimately says to him, he says, he says, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them uh, from the power of the Egyptians uh, and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, uh, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and all sorts of ites, now lived. And what God is essentially communicating to Moses is, hey, I've, I see my people, I've heard my people, and I have a 
promise for my people. And then God goes on to say, and I'm going to use you to go and communicate this message. I'm going to use you to lead my people out of slavery. And if we just consider coming back to the beginning where we spoke about, about our need for, for hope, our need for significance, our, hope, our, our need for, for meaning. Moses had the same needs. And yet he was in a space where he was hopeless, where he felt insignificant, where he felt like his life had no more meaning. And, and here we see how God comes and restores hope, significance, and meaning into the life of Moses. He says in, in, in verse 6 of Exodus 3, he says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now to you and me, that may just sound like he's giving a bit of a genealogy. But what God is really saying to Moses in the moment, remember we're talking about hope now. He, he says to him, I'm the God of Abraham. Do you remember the story of Abraham? <laughs> like, I made promises to Abraham, and I kept them. You remember Isaac? I made promises to Isaac, and I kept them. Jacob? I made promises to Jacob, and I kept them. I'm busy making you promises, and I'm going to keep them. It's worth putting your hope in me. I am the God of hope. And that is what God is communicating to Moses in this moment. When, when we think of, of, of this issue of significance, in, in verse 4 of Exodus 3, God went on to, 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 to call out to Moses. He, he, as I said, he calls out Moses. Now, I don't know about you, but... For me, that's quite a significant moment when God chooses to come and speak to you. But what God was really communicating to Moses when he called out to him from a burning bush was this. Moses, I know your name. Moses, I know your name. You are significant to me. When we talk about meaning, this, this need for meaning and, and, and the restoration of meaning in Moses' life. Verse 10 of Exodus 3, God says, says to, to Moses, he says, now you go and talk to Pharaoh. He sends him on a mission. He gives him a purpose. And within that purpose, Moses finds meaning for his life. God gives Moses meaning. And here's what happens. Just through this process of restoration, Moses becomes a carrier and a communicator of hope, significance, and meaning. Not just for his own life, but it goes on to be that he's a carrier and a communicator of hope, significance, and meaning for an entire nation and an entire generation and for generations to come. What a powerful moment. So, so God ultimately uses Moses to give the nation of Israel hope. 
in, in verse 16 and 17 of Exodus 3, I'm summing it up because it's a very big part, but you're welcome to go check it out. Exodus 3, 17, uh, 16 and 17. Essentially, God says to him, I'm going to bring my people out of slavery and I'm going to take them into my promise. So, so Moses goes and communicates this to the nation of Israel and says, God's going to take you from where you are as prisoners, as slaves, and he's going to move you into freedom. He's going to move you from, from prisoners to free men and women. He's going to move you from slaves to sons and daughters. He gives them meaning, verse 7. In verse 7, God says, you're my people. You are my people. I don't know about you, but I don't believe that there is anything more meaningful on the face of this planet than being God's, than being God's child, than as he communicates them here, than being his people. And right there, just through, the, I mean, uh, we didn't delve into like a million scriptures here, just, just through these very basic words that God communicates to Moses and then Moses goes and communicates to a people and God just keeping his promise. God comes and restores hope. God comes and restores significance. God comes and restores meaning in the lives of an entire nation. Now there's this parallel between the life of Moses and the life of Jesus. You see, Moses goes from the wilderness to lead God's people out of slavery and into, and into an abundant life that God had promised them. Isn't that true? And he comes and he gives them hope and he gives them significance and he gives them meaning. Then we see Jesus come along a couple of thousand years later and Jesus steps into this, into this world as a, through, through natural birth as an infant, and grows up, and around about the age of 30, he goes into the wilderness. Jesus steps into the wilderness. We know he's, excuse me, he's tempted by the devil. But what I find amazing is that Jesus steps out of the wilderness, and he goes and he, he, he goes and gives hope to people. He goes and gives significance to people. He goes and gives meaning to the lives of people through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And ultimately, the life, death, and burial, burial and resurrection of Jesus comes and communicates to you and me, but it doesn't just communicate it. it he seals it that we are no longer slaves. That we are now sons. We are now daughters. The worship team's welcome to come back. This morning, I don't know where you are. I really don't know where you are. You may be feeling like you are in that wilderness space. You may legitimately feel like, like you're in this barren place that is... Where you're struggling to sense the presence of God in your life. You're struggling to see the realities of God in your life. <coughs> the good news for you this morning, folks, the good news for me this morning, 
is that God will use the wilderness of our lives to train us, to teach us, to instill things into our lives that he wants to use later on. You see, with Moses, Moses was tending someone else's sheep in the wilderness. Little did he know that it was preparation for having to to take a couple of million people from slavery into promise. Now, I don't know if you've read the story, but man, those people were hard-headed like sheep. God will use what happens in the wilderness of our lives for his purpose later on in our lives. For us to affect great change, not just for our lives, but in the lives of the people around us. You see, the same God who made promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and kept them, he's the same God who, who, as we've heard through the story, made promises to Moses and the nation of Israel and kept them. And, And he's the same God who sent you his promise, Jesus. And, and as I read through the, 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 the end of, of, the, um, of the Gospels and, and, and the beginning part of, of the book of Acts, I see this group of men and women who did life with Jesus. Not just did they do life with Jesus, but they physically saw Jesus die. And these are the same men and women who spent time with Jesus after his resurrection. Peter says it this way, in, in, in several of his, of his sermons, so to speak, where he's speaking to, to a group of people, he says, the Jesus that you crucified, God raised from the dead, and we are witnesses of it. And, and folks could argue and say, well, how are you a witness to it? And Peter can say, because the guy made me breakfast on the beach. Like, this isn't a theory. I hung out with a guy. Not just my personal favorite experience, and I'm sure this was Peter's personal favorite experience with Jesus after his resurrection. Was straight after he made breakfast, he had a conversation with me. Because you see, I said that I didn't know him in a very crucial moment. And in that moment, after his resurrection, he spoke to me. He was right there with me. I was a witness of him being alive. And he restored me. He just asked me, do you love me? I said, yes, Lord, you know, I love me. You, and he said, feed my sheep. That must have been Peter's favorite moment with Jesus after the resurrection. But here, these men and women are witnesses of a risen Savior. Folks, there is no greater hope on the face of the planet today. There's no greater hope than it, that any of us can have today than the hope in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. When it comes to your significance, you need to know this morning, you are significant. You are significant. How do I know you are significant? Because one of my favorite portions of Scripture in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 16, it says this, he says, I've written your name on the palm of my hand. 
It's actually a bad translation. If you go and check out what it really says, it's like I've engraved your name in the palm of my hand. In today's terms, I've tattooed your name to the palm of my hand. Go check it out. I'm not, I'm not making up stuff to, to say tattoos are fine. Legitimately, go read it. I've tattooed your name to the palm of my hand. That's how significant you are to Jesus. This morning, you need to know your life has meaning. Romans 8 verse 14 says, For for all who are led by the Spirit of God, they will be the children of God. I've yet to find anything in my life that gives my life more meaning than knowing that I'm a son of God. And, and as, we, as we say yes to this journey with Jesus and as we allow His Holy Spirit to come and lead us and guide us and as we said at times, correct us and, and show us how to do it. That as we allow His Spirit to lead us, We are his children. We are his sons. We are his daughters. And just in that alone, you have meaning. But he takes it a step further. And just as he said to to, to Moses, you're going to do these things for me. And Moses became this carrier and communicator of hope, significance, and meaning for for, for an entire generation. I want to say this to you this morning. You are a carrier of hope, of significance, of meaning to the people around you, to the environments that God has placed you in. No one else can do it. I said last last week, God can do it without you, but He doesn't want to. He invites us into our story and He says, come. Be my carrier of hope. Be my carrier of significance. Be my carrier of meaning. And God wants to implement life change (laughs) through you. God wants to implement life change through you. I don't know if there's anything that gives us more meaning than that. You may be saying, Ramon, you do not understand where I work, man. (laughs) That sounds beautiful from the pulpit, but I work in a pretty dark space, man. Here's the good news. The light of Christ shines brightest when the world is at its darkest. So when we look at the news, when we look at social media, when we consider the conversations around us, there has been no better time for us to be the light of Christ than right now. And that's it. You are the light of Christ. Believe it or not, the world needs you. The world needs you. And I believe this morning God communicates that to us. The world needs you. Why? Because you have the light of Christ in you. morning here's your hope 
you are significant to him. And in him, your life has meaning. Because he has a purpose for your life. And that purpose is to be his agent of change to the world around you. Amen. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that this morning we could, Lord, just take a very simple look into this, this, this need that we all have for hope, for significance, for meaning. And Lord, I thank you that this morning we have seen that we, we don't need to look any further than you. Your word talks about finding our identity in you, Lord. And Lord, as we come to you and, and, and just discover life through you, Lord. Lord, that you come and you, you give us hope, Lord. That you come and, and, and bring significance to these lives, Lord. That you come and give us meaning for life as you give us a purpose within life, Lord. Lord, this morning, I just pray that anyone who's sitting here right now, Who's, who's struggling, who feels like they're in this wilderness experience, Lord. Lord, I thank you that this morning, your Holy Spirit, Lord, and we just pray that your Holy Spirit this morning comes and communicates very directly, very specifically into each life that's struggling with that question at the moment. Just comes and communicates, hey, you're mine. You are mine. And I use wilderness experiences for restoration in your life. Lord, I thank you that the reality of that will just sink into the hearts of men and women. Lord, I thank you that anyone here this morning who's, who's struggling with hope, Lord, who feels like fear has got the best of them, Lord, I thank you that as we sang earlier, that my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. So as we stand in you, Lord, I thank you that you eliminate fear and that as we stand in you, we find our hope in you and that we don't just keep it to ourselves, but that we give it to the world around us, Lord. Lord, that we can find our significance in who you are in our lives, Lord, and the fact that you know our names and that we are significant to you and that we find our meaning and our purpose in you, Lord. And we thank you for that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.